Come on. Ah. Hey everybody, welcome back to the only podcast produced by three two-time winners of IMSA Spirit of the Race Award. You're tuned into the Check Engine Podcast. We're hosted on Anchor.fm and we are streamed worldwide on all the platforms that you use to listen to your favorites. My name is Nick. My two co-hosts are here after a little bit of time away. Andrew, Tristan, what's going on, fellas? Things. Silence. Andrew's muted, so. Interesting start. There he is. Do we have you? I'm an idiot. Andrew. (laughs) That's how things are going for me. This is all staying in, by the way. Yes. uh, That's how things are going for me. I'm an idiot. Actually, what I was saying is that I don't know how things are going because I have no idea what happened to the last week other than everything at work changed drastically at the 11th hour. Uh, and then a board meeting was had on Monday, and then our major fundraising event for the year was Thursday. And I, I've, I don't know. I guess I'm still recovering from that mentally. Just things are not working the way they should be. Well, we've had yeah. uh, technical difficulties trying to get this podcast recorded for you over the last couple of oh days. My God. We've had, yeah, hey, we've Spectrum. Spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> you. A wind blasted shithole here the other day. And <laughs> power and internet were just kind of, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Best thing is that was for you. Yeah. I just returned, I just returned to a baseline distrust in my internet access. That's that's true. Well, see, that's the thing. I mean, you kind of I, I live in a city. You kind of live out in the in the forest. You would think that you would have out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well, it's not in the shire. Uh, yeah, exactly. You would think that the problems would have been out there. But I don't know, man. Sometimes sometimes this has happened. And, and this year in our house has been weirdly unreliable or less reliable for Internet. And I'd have no explanation for it bury that line or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's been, uh, it's been a weird couple of weeks folks. So sorry for not getting you something sooner, but besides that, like none of that would have happened if I hadn't, um, wouldn't have kind of thrown in the towel when we were supposed to record and said, Hey guys, I'm sick. I haven't slept in two days, so I can't do this right now. So getting over some, some health stuff. We're pushing through potential um, tech issues, and we're still going to get you a podcast tonight. Andrew, what are we actually talking about this evening? Oh, a little this, a little that, uh, and some of the other as well, I think, but I can't promise the other. <laughs> no promises. Well, I mean, stuff stuff has happened. We have championships. We have winners and losers. There's racing news. There's car news. Uh, Things have happened lately, which is kind of new. Car purchase news. Car purchase news. Yeah, we have. uh, So, yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about since since we last got together. Damn, sounds like it. All right, I'm ready. 
So no pace laps tonight because we're just going to talk about whatever until we decide to uh, turn the microphones off. So (laughs) until not. Yeah, exactly. So we're just going to dive into it. You want to start with the car purchase news since that seemed intriguing to people? That sparked a lot of interest. Yeah, I didn't know there was any. Or maybe I wasn't paying attention. Well, you know, I had this isn't this. We'll start with the the not new part of this. I got the Focus ST back in July, but right. um, the dilemma I was left with was I don't have anything to tow my cart trailer with now. Mm. So I was borrowing my dad's vehicle, and then at the same time looking for a I don't want to call it a winter beater because I want it to be nicer than that, but like a, a cheaper you know used purchase private seller pay the guy or girl once. And now I have a winter vehicle slash tow vehicle, and I have made that purchase. I, I've got my vehicle. What color is your trailblazer? False. It is not a trailblazer, <laughs> but it's close. I actually had to. I went. I, I went back a. <clears throat> excuse me. I went back a few years to the prior generation. It's actually a blazer, not a trailblazer. What? You got a vacuum, uh, a vacuum connected, uh, blazer. One of the, uh, what the heck's that? What's the generation called? I don't know the generation, but it's a 1997 model year. Oh my wow. God. Oh my God. But Hey, 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 get, it's get, been 23 years. Yeah. But get, but get this guys. So, Yes, you're right. 23 years old, but it's only it got a hundred. It's only got 119,000 miles on it, and all but one of its years of existence has been in California. So zero rust. Like this thing is super clean. That's so weird. I, yeah. So the guy I bought it from. <laughs> That's weird. The guy I bought it from went out to California like 18 months ago and grabbed it. Um, So, I mean, it's got, you know, from the sun in California, like the top of the dashboard is cracked. No big deal. I I bought a dashboard cover that's going to get delivered here in in the coming weeks. Um, It's got, um, what, what else is like used on it? Would you say? So the radio buttons, like the fade, the treble, what? The plastic, the, the actual plastic pieces have cracked off, so it's just like the bare button, like that stem. <laughs> and then the only other thing that you notice is um, there is an, a, a slight alignment issue. I hold the wheel at eleven o'clock to go straight, um, but oh, it's not if it's alignment or just your the steering wheel needs to be reset the the, the oh, jeep yeah. did that every time we changed tires so but me- mechanically the thing is um 100 sound you know no check engine lights heat works ac works four high four low all work um this is this was one of the loaded versions so it comes with like the um the power sunroof in it um the the other thing i'll say is that it 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 has like the big four by four like off-road tires on it so there's a little bit of road noise when you're up at like 60 65 um but i'm not really going to drive it that much so it doesn't doesn't even bother me it's going to do exactly what i need it to do um immediately after we picked it up or not immediately like within a week after picking it up my dad and i went through and we put new shocks in all four corners we swapped out 
all of the fluids, oil, diff, automatic transmission fluid, um, coolant. We put a new belt in it, um, which again, wasn't needed. We just wanted to start from like a, a, a baseline, like, so we know it's all fresh basically. And, um, man, I, I, I'm super happy with it. It is to answer your initial question, Andrew, it is white. So between the focus Claire's car and now this, we have three white vehicles. Yeah. We're all, we're all all matchy. We're a team. We're, we're we're matching. So, um, Andrew, Andrew, you and I black team. That's true. We are, we are. (laughs) Yes. Uh, and then my wife's car is green and Jessica's champagne. Oh God. Uh, sorry. There's not much going on there. I guess we should pick a color. Yeah. Got to get them into black cars too. I yeah, hate, so we are, I hate uh, owning a black car. I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> tough to keep clean. I love the way it looks, but it's it's tough to keep clean. Um, but yeah, so I've got a 97 Blazer from California with 120,000 miles on it, which was about 40-ish, 40, 45,000 miles less than was on my Trailblazer when I sold that a couple of years ago or when I traded that in a couple of years ago. So, um, just getting warmed up. Uh, I'm, I'm fired up for this. I think again, for what it's going to do, it's going to be perfect. Well, congrats, man. Yeah. Congratulations. I think that'll, that'll do what you need. Yep. Tow a few times a year and get me through winter when there's blizzards, but then that's about it. So I can just keep the focus stashed away and tucked in over the winter months. So no payments, you know, just like I said, just gave the guy an envelope and said, see you later. And, uh, was there money in have... the envelope? <laughs> no, it was just an envelope. He hasn't found out yet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they call Nick the Manila bandit. <laughs> Fake name on the title too. It was bulletproof. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So yeah, um, uh, like I said, I'm fired up for it. Um, not that I want it to snow. Like I'm, I'm not a fan of winter, but well, now right. I'm not, I'm not a feared of it anymore. But listen, if it's going to be 28 degrees, you might as well get some joy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right, right exactly. If I'm going to have to suffer through it, regardless, make it easier than driving a manual front wheel drive car. Although, I mean, that's not the worst option. <laughs> yeah. Not the worst. Rear wheels could be rear wheel could be very much worse. But I'd rather take all wheel with much higher ground clearance than what I have. <laughs> Fair. Um, can we briefly talk about something that we were talking about before uh, we started recording here that I, I'm actually weirdly interested in? Uh, we were obviously talking about the time change. And Tristan was mm. saying that he always feels like he somehow has less time. I feel much more comfortable in this time scale than in the spring one. Why do you say that? I really have no idea. I feel like the day uh, both moves more quickly and that I have more time at night. I don't know. It just feels more natural to me for no obvious reason. 
I, I wouldn't say that I f- feel like I have less time. It just gets dark sooner, which makes me, for a while, during the change, makes me feel like it's way later than it is. So that that's the part I can't handle. Like, you know, it, the days are already getting shorter, and then you make them seem even shorter. And... That's a lot all at once for me to catch up to. But I'm, you know, as we discussed in previous episodes and all the time, I'm a freaking vampire. I don't need more sunlight in my life. Well, maybe some people could argue that I do, being so pale. But I, I don't I don't want any more. <laughs> so it's not the fact that it gets dark doesn't bum me out. I have plenty of time to do things at night. It's just like I get off work and it feels like 9 o'clock did over the summer, which you get. It's a lot to wrap your brain around. I, That's true. I will say I welcome this time change over the springtime one because this one actually gains an hour of sleep. Mm, <laughs> yes. yes. Honestly, but honestly, after the first few days, like I, I don't even notice anymore. It's just back to back to normal. I guess I don't have too strong of an opinion on it. It does mark the beginning of cozy season. That is super true. And I love that. All the sweatshirts are out, all the all the warm pants, all that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think it's interesting because um, obviously, like, daylight savings time doesn't do anything for anyone, nor does no. it really help uh, in any way. But I weirdly do feel a difference in, like, my personal mental comfort between the two timescales, even though it does not make a difference. It, it it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me at all if we just didn't do this time change. <laughs> yeah. I just don't like change. I just <laughs> don't know like this. change. <laughs> but well, if, if I had to pick, I do prefer this one. Like I said, just because it's like, Oh, we actually gain an hour of sleep. Well, and plus this was always the, uh, I mean, I guess like the more exciting nights, especially when you were in college, right? You got like an extra hour of bar time if the, if the bar was cool. If not, and they were yeah. lame and they just closed at the second two one. Again. Or yeah, two yeah. again. Yeah. Two again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good memories. Yeah, yeah, that was the best. You go from 159 to 1 a.m. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was just a great feeling. Oh, the good old days. Yeah. Anyways, that's enough of that bullshit. Nick, hard stuff. Nick, your man, your man did it. I, I done, it, done did it. Is it fair to say that um, it's the podcast man now? Like, if I converted you guys, oh you yeah, still just, definitely, you yeah. definitely, still just my guy. Um, yeah, like I posted on Facebook with the caption, "The dude is unstoppable." Uh, six. Sixth championship in IndyCar for Scott Dixon. Um, Scott Sixon. Scott Sixon. Ooh. <laughs> Man, that is a missed opportunity for IndyCar if they haven't started using that yet. We should tell somebody. Good work. Yeah, that's um, amazing. But, um, yeah, most in the modern era. So he's only, he's only behind A.J. Foyt in terms of championships and as far as wins go i can't remember if he tied mario for a second or if he surpassed him but he's either two or three on every major statistical category in the history of the sport at this point and uh there is 
really no signs of him slowing down either. Um, yeah. He's had no inkling or hints at retirement. He's never spoke of what do I want to do after this. He's still going out, like getting sports car rides, you know, as like side gigs. You know, by the way, he also was on the team that won the 24 hours of Daytona in Petit Le Mans this year in IMSA. Right, of um, course. So he's, you know, 2020 overall has been a really sucky year, but Dixon's had a pretty good one on track. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, congrats to him again. I don't know if you all saw that race that I did not there. I saw the highlights. That race was one of it it started off. So back up a second here. Um, Dixon needed to finish ninth or better to lock up the championship. New garden, who is the only, um, driver who is in, um, within striking distance and a hell of a driver in his own right, two-time champion, defending champion, um, basically had to win and hope Dixon finished worse than ninth. Well, one of them qualified eighth. The other one qualified 12th. Dixon qualified 12th. And basically the directive from the Chip Ganassi pit box was just, Scott, stay on the back of New Garden. If he passes someone, follow him through. Like, it doesn't matter how high up he goes. As long as you keep him in sight, you've got him. Um the first, the first 35 to 40 laps of that race were pretty mundane, I would say, a borderline boring. Um, everyone just kind of strung out riding around. And then all hell just broke loose. Like, Will Power crashed out of the lead. Alexander Rossi crashed out of the lead. Um, James Hinchcliffe, while running second under yellow, spun under yellow and turned perpendicular into traffic he panicked and just tried to get going right away and then took somebody else out um, <laughs> there was um a rain cloud that hung over the last corner on the front stretch only and it, <laughs> it was like deluge of rain for about 10 or 15 minutes in one of the 12 corners so that was chaos there were so many yellow flags in a row from like lap 40 to lap 60 that the pace car ran out of fuel <laughs> the, pace, the, the pace car pulled in and they the race control just told the field okay the leader is in control like there is no pace car <laughs> whoever's in first just don't speed up until we tell you to <laughs> wow it was through all of this crazy stuff happened oh um somehow some way takuma sato wrecked three different people and did not get a single avoidable contact penalty. I don't know how that works. I don't know what the point of having race stewards and officials on site. Like, what's the point of that if they're not going to do anything? No, I saw at least Um, one of those replays and everyone was like, what? What? How? Like, literally how? I don't know. What what made you think that was going to (laughs) work? He kind of seemed like a little bit like a hazard that day. And it's so weird because this is also the guy who earlier this year won the Indy 500 for the second time. So I was it's say, not didn't he like win, yeah, last year or two years ago as well. He won it in 2017 and 2020 or 2018 and 2020. Yeah, I think it's 18, yeah, 18 and 20, 20, something like that. He's 17, something like that. So he's two out of the last three or four years. He's won the biggest race in the world. The guy is not 
I guess, a bad driver. Like, clearly not. But then he just does this stuff. And it's just like, why are you here? (laughs) Why do people keep hiring you? And then he'll prove me wrong by winning Indianapolis again. It's like, oh, yeah, that's why. Oh, Um, yeah, that's why. Right. So, I mean... There's just so much stuff happening in that race. I think the, uh, you know, with all the different yellows and all the crazy stuff happening, the Townsend Bell, one of the TV announcers was like, how many times has Dixon rolled his eyes in his helmet? Like, Oh my God, again, (laughs) 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 but they made it through new garden did end up winning the, winning the race, which he did what he had to do. And then Dixon brought home third, which sealed his sixth championship when all was said and done after all of that other craziness happened. So, jeez. I mean, one more, one more to tie AJ Foyt for this, most all time. I was going to say, so, so yeah, one more for most all time. So, all right. Uh, and seven <laughs> seems to be the number if you think about it. Like, AJ Foyt has seven. Bernhardt, Jimmy Johnson, and Richard Petty have seven. Ilsen Hamilton on seven. We'll have seven. Hamilton Hamilton will tie Schumacher with seven by the end of this year. And we, as as far as as that goes, we're talking about racing since the last time we hear Lewis Hamilton has surpassed Michael Schumacher for most career wins in F1. Indeed. So yeah, seven seems to be the number for major championships. And uh, Dixon is, is one off. So Jeez. I mean, uh, yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, I, here's the question, right? Uh, useless athlete championship comparisons, which is more impressive six IndyCar titles or six Super Bowl wins. Ooh, Brady or Dixon who you got. Uh, it's tough. That's really because, hard to make a comparison because the sports are so different. I, yeah, it's almost impossible, right? Yeah, because both, like, you, you'd kind of say, like, the championship requires, like, not necessarily even winning all the races, whereas, you know, in some seasons in football, getting to the playoffs requires winning all but, like, one or two of your games. Um, and then when you get there... Like there's one game where you have you have to win this one, like you know, like you were saying, you know, he took the championship home today by finishing third, which like yeah, he didn't have to win win the championship, right? Yeah, so it's like it's a cumulative effort, which on one hand says, okay, you have to consistently put in good performances for an entire season, but that's true to even get to the Super Bowl. So, I don't know. As as much as we're a car podcast, I would almost say the Super Bowl is is probably I would say statistically harder mm-hmm. because you have to win a bunch of things to get there, and then also win the game itself. But and also, like he, we t- Dixon's at six, and that's not the record yet. Brady at six is far and away more than anybody else. Right? Isn't he two more than the next closest guy? Is it um, like, does Bradshaw have three or four? I think that's next closest quarterback. I actually think right. players with most. I think there's. I think there are players with five, maybe. Yeah, maybe. 
but six rings well, I mean, the driver is kind of like the driver. Yeah. The driver is kind of like the quarterback, right? You know, that's Charles right. Haley won f- had five rings. Okay. Oh, cause he was in San Francisco and Dallas. Correct. Back in the nineties. That was a good run <laughs> for him. But I mean, I guess if you, if you want to torture the metaphor here, I guess, um, Oh, I, I always down for a little metaphor torturing. Well, I had something while you were talking, Tristan. Oh, it was that. Um, yes, you can win the championship in racing before the end of the actual season, but I think I guess if you were to look at it like team effort, including you know the car has to run right, the pit stops have to be good, the setup has to be good, blah blah blah. Just sort of look at it as a team effort versus like individual player, Brady versus Dixon. Then uh-huh. I think you could make a reasonable argument that in sense of a team sport, it you you can make the comparison, but then again, this is does one have a they don't have builders championships or anything, do they? Oh yeah, they have constructors championships. So this would have been what what title did Dixon actually win then? That was uh team? That was the, the driver. So was, driver, he won driver. the driver championship. Um there is a I'm assuming, although it doesn't get a lot of pub, I'm assuming there's some sort of team championship that Chip Ganassi Racing won. And then IndyCar also has the manufacturer championship, which is essentially just Honda versus Chevrolet engines. Right. And, That's the part that fucks it up. So um I would almost say in racing, you brought up the mechanical piece. So, like, would you say that there are more variables outside of your control in racing or in football? You know, that's so funny because one of the injuries in football, right? But like, well, no, I wasn't going to say that at all. Actually, what I was going to say was that I've I've been listening to a couple uh, football analytics podcasts. And if you okay. if you look at it that way, if you look at <clears throat> individual players essentially as pieces who can be graded on a on a football war scale, then like if you go down the analytical route with especially like Patriots teams, right, where they basically have replacement level players, replacement level role players who excel in the one thing that they do for the plays in which they are used, it's almost run a little bit more like a racing team right and again maybe this is torturing mm-hmm. the metaphor a little more but if you think about belichick players like welker and amandola and and kyle van noy and all of these all of these players <laughs> patrick chung who have been patriots you know during this successful run of rex burkett who was a nebraska running back and ass at the nfl level until he went to the patriots i think he's got two rings now like mm-hmm. he, there, there is something maybe that you could there is a comparison you could make between creating a team setup in football and setting up a car for the person who's driving it with Dixon. I mean, clearly he has, he he doesn't drive really like anybody else, his fuel strategies, his stints, his, the way he drives is different from other people. Clearly there's something in the way he views racing or his team views racing that makes him different sort of in a almost i guess you could say belichickian way i would almost yeah i i see where you're going there if we're let's just keep beating the shit out of this metaphor i would almost compare it to like the way he and his engineers approach a race weekend is like a brady 
or even like a Peyton Manning pre-snap, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to go up and they're going to have everything planned out before they beat you before the ball snapped because they've prepped so much and they've run through all the variables. And, um, I think that's kind of the way it sounds amazing. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? The way that you said that it sounds amazing. I, I hadn't ever thought of it that way before. I thought you were being sarcastic. I was like, what do you wait? What just happened? <laughs> no, I, no, I, I had never until this moment thought of it that way before. And it sounds amazing. It does actually. Um, I also yeah, would love if any, if you know, my football team would ever do that, but <laughs> you know, it sounds amazing. I, I, I had not put those ideas in my own brain that way ever. So that's, that's kind of how I view it. Like, they can approach a race and say, we're going to go balls to the wall and try to lead every lap and, and win it. Or they can say, look, we know this isn't our strong suit. We're going to take what it take what the weekend gives us. We're going to be smart about it and maybe, you know, use strategy fuel pit stops and pick up some spots and just like he, he minimizes his bad days. That's what makes him really good. Like his bad days are like eight where other people's bad days are 20th. Right. I mean, uh, when we were at Road America last year, he spun, what, lap two? Yep. Was in 23rd. turn five? Yep, was 23rd out of 23, and in a caution-free race. Remember, that one? That was the one that Ugh. Rossi won by like 30 seconds, and there was yes. no yellow flags. And full green, no chance to, like use any excuses like oh bunch the field up he ended up finishing i think fifth yeah he was yeah like a top 10 <laughs> so that finish was a little rough speed too, though. he had to hustle to get back but um anyway we spent a ton of time on this yeah a ton of time. <laughs> definitely and and future congrats to lewis hamilton who actually while i was checking on his number of uh championships and stuff like that i just saw an article race? oh uh, well just an article that i i missed that came out yesterday apparently um Hamilton said, and, and why I, I almost don't want to say this simply because it seems so insane and they're like, there's no reason to indulge it. But he gave an interview yesterday saying he's not sure that he, sorry, there's no guarantee that he'll be back in F1 next year. I don't know why. I think, I don't know why he even bothers saying that. I don't like, <sighs> unless I know, he can buy right? his contract. I think that's part of it, and 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 uh, the team manager as well. But is this even worth talking about? Well, I mean, let's let's be let let's think about this logically. What else does he have to do? Like the only reason he stayed up until this point was probably to beat the records that he just did, right? That, yeah, yeah. So he. No one's got any more wins than him. He already crushed the the pole position record by God. I think he's double the next closest person or close to it. Yeah, no, he's, got, he's way. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at this right now. In two, he's in Super Mario territory. In 263 <laughs> career starts, so he's driven 263 Formula One races. He's been on the podium 162 of them. Oh my God. So he's 162 finishes inside the top three, a hundred finishes anywhere else. He's 97 pole positions 
93 wins. He'll probably get to 100 polls this year. I don't think there's enough races left this year to get to 100 wins. And like that's the last thing he's got to go get is triple digits. And it, once he hits it, like he's he's still 35. Like he's got your whole yeah. life to live, man. Like just get out while you're healthy and I I would have no honestly I would be surprised, but I would have no problem with Lewis saying, "You know what? 2020 is my last year. I'm going to do I'm going to go do something else." Sweet man, you earned it. <laughs> but what? You know what? What's that? Do? What, what what would he do? I mean, well, he already dabbles in fashion. He's got that's, like yeah, a, that's he, he's got a clothing line. I think in conjunction, I want to say with Hill figure. Um, he announced that he, that Extreme E, that electric off road series that starts next year. He's got he is, mm. he owns one of the teams in that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's got enough money where he could own teams or you know do whatever else start another business like he can he can find ways to keep busy well all right so what if i'm just wondering what the reason behind any of this would be is the reason that he's concerned that it that enough team changes will start to impact the results at mercedes is he worried about looking away if he went to a different team and didn't keep winning at the same pace. Like what? What's I think the he's lore look- here? I think he's looking ahead two years. Remember this. And I think pre COVID it was supposed to come into effect next year, but now it might've been pushed to 2022 or 2023. The, the, the cost cap. Yeah. So, with the cost cap coming in, are the teams going to be more equal or, you know, is he going to be racing more than just his teammate in two years? Is that cost cap eventually going to apply to driver's salaries? Like right now he's making 40 to $50 million a year. What if they cut that down or the teams just have to cut it down because of an overall cost cap. If he's not going to make the same amount of money, if his paycheck's going to get slashed in half or more, like, is it worth still doing it when you've accomplished everything that he's accomplished? Yeah. I, I racing think, is, I think racing his teammate, he's, he's got 78 points on his teammate right now. He's not, he's not really racing anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's also true, but yeah, I guess, I'm, but what I meant by that was Valtteri is the only one who's kind of close. <laughs> no, I, I, I know what you mean, you, but it's just, uh, the stats are insane. I mean, I I don't know. I, it it makes things all right. Last question about this then: Hamilton leaves F one this year, next year, or you know, at, at the two year, is is F one better or is it worse? It's a good question. I think or I don't same, think I that's. A, I would say same because I th- I think. I don't think just one driver having massive amounts of success makes the sport better or worse. I think I would rather see, um, you know, four or five teams, which would put eight to 10 drivers that could, that's basically a toss up every week than Lewis winning every week. So 
But if he leaves and the balance of power doesn't change, whoever sits in his Mercedes seat after he's gone, or maybe it's Valtteri just steps up then, and then he's the guy who's going to start winning everything. So right, right now, there's nothing to say that Mercedes can't keep doing what they're doing. So the sport probably won't be made any just continue. Yeah, just with someone else in the seat, not discounting what Lewis is doing. Please, like, don't take it that way. But um, I don't think that just him leaving will make the sport better or worse. I think it, it's more to do with teams and to use an IMSA term, which I know F1 doesn't use, like balancing out that performance, like getting him. So it's more folks up at the top with a shot. Um, here's an interesting uh, note on Lewis though, which I thought was kind of baffling and funny um, on Netflix. There's uh, Letterman's got his new show that my next guest needs no introduction Hamilton was one of his guests and he had said on that show that he actually doesn't like to drive. Well, and, and Letterman gave him this really weird look and he said, no, no, no. Racing is completely different. He said, I love to race, but I, I drive on the road as little as possible. I hate it. I mean, <laughs> honestly though, that, that makes all the sense in the world to me because when you spend your working hours between 90 and 200 why would you do anything else <laughs> yeah i guess 50 miles an hour <laughs> what, what, seems, seems what's pretty next? mundane <laughs> yeah oh 75 here we go on ramp <laughs> that's like andrew to like draw a parallel that's like you and i deriving a lot of joy out of making a microwave go. Yes. That you know what? That's extremely apt. That's exactly what it is. Turning on the coffee maker. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Getting tricked. Set the clock. Ooh. Now we're now we're really freaking it. That's that's old school though. Who sets clocks anymore? That's a right? that's a niche skill. Get a get a smart. Get the Alexa coffee maker. Wait, did you, <laughs> you didn't hear me? It's fine. Oh God, did you hear me? <laughs> Lewis Hamilton becomes F1's highest paid driver with nearly 500 million in career earnings. And I'm sure that's an old article. And that doesn't even count. I mean, I would imagine that, you know, even F1 that kind of does pay out, I would imagine that like every athlete, Lewis Hamilton does not make his money money at the sport level. No, there's endorsements too. <laughs> oh yeah, his and, and his endorsements are like, whew, he's got the he's got the classy endorsements. Yes, he does. <laughs> classy. He does. He's got a red private jet. That's like just his. That's just like that's for him. Also, he has the well-paying endorsements. Yeah, well, yeah, the yeah the classy ones. That's what that's what I meant. The the rich people ones. Oh, I see. <laughs> so, sorry if I didn't make that explicit enough. Yeah, he's got he's got the rich people endorsements. Well, I feel like some classy stuff, like some classy brands, don't have a lot of like leftover cash. Whereas, like, you mm. know, like like if Walmart were to endorse somebody, they have tons of money. They could give oh. him absolutely tons of money, but it wouldn't be classy. Like, you know. 
Could like, you like, imagine Lewis like, Hamilton in a Walmart commercial? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, I refuse to en- envision this. Like, like he doesn't have uh, Nike or Under Armour, but he, like uh, Nick mentioned, he's got Hilfiger and he's got Puma and he's got his own clothing line. Like that, um, that Monster that Energy. Um, what else does he have? Yeah, he's got. A oh, few. see, Monster. Well, everyone's got Monster. Same thing. <laughs> everyone's got a Monster deal these days. <laughs> we don't. I remember days before Monster deals. I actually don't. I do not remember that. I do not remember that at all. <laughs> I remember it. It was, it was Red Bull deals. It was Red Bull out before Monster? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Red Bull started this whole crazy... Oh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Of course. So, um, yeah, congrats to Lewis. Congrats again to Dixon. And before we get off of this racing kick and keep the show moving a little bit, um, one other quick congrats. Guest on our show, Aaron Tielitz and his co-driver, Jack Hawksworth, in the IMSA GTD category, uh, locked up the Sprint Cup Championship for 2020 at Laguna Seca last weekend. So... They have the 12 hours of Sebring left to try to take home the overall championship, which they are leading by just two points. But um, congrats on locking up one of those championships, Aaron. Hopefully, I think it was good luck speaking, sitting down with me in the, in the uh, style aesthetic van at Road America. Really propelled him through the second half of the season. <laughs> Definitely true. Gave him and the he, energy he needed. Yeah, exactly. In a Over time when... Or monster. In a time when, you know, COVID was sapping everybody's energy because they couldn't connect with real fans, he found the energy. That's right. From uh, from us. That's right. But wait, this is this is all the pre-show. All that's great. Congratulations to Aaron and his team. But the most important championship in IMSA for this year, the one that will determine Nick's love for the Corvette C8 has also been decided in favor of the Corvette C8. They also GTLM also got locked up at Sebring at Laguna Seca. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one. Um, yeah. Yes, it did. Congrats to the uh, General Motors team. Nothing. Nothing, Nothing on that. I think I think it was Jordan Taylor's car. It was. It was. It was the three. It was the three car, not the four car. So that's awesome because Jordan Taylor again will say it here on this podcast. Fantastic follow on social media. Great dude. Awesome driver. So congrats to Jordan and Antonio Garcia, and great job GM for building a fantastic car. It sounds like he's having like he sounds like he's the telephone system filling in blanks. It does. It, it really does. General Motors <laughs> on creating such a great car on building a great automobile. Car. Automobile. <laughs> why? Why are you the way that you are, Nick? <laughs> why is GM the way that they are? With why are they calling trying- that thing? The- Calling that thing a Corvette. Listen, okay. Uh, wait, wait. All right, stop. No, stop, stop, no, stop. no. Do not engage. Stop this. I this. Wait, no. I have something for this. This is gonna go somewhere. Okay. All right. All right. Earlier today, I was walking through the Meyer parking lot, 
mm-hmm. and I saw a, a car that I, I mean, I guess maybe it's kind of rare. I don't, I don't really know. It was a, it was an Impala SS from, you know, XYZ years ago. Not, not an old one, a 2000s era one. And it got me thinking because I uh, had previously been thinking, as I so often do, about Hyundai and their plans for the N division. And that got me thinking, all right, there are two pristine examples of two different brands establishing performance lines uh, one sort of out of nowhere and one sort of reestablishing, right? So there's Hyundai building N. There's mm-hmm. also Acura building uh, their brand fundamentally, <laughs> but with the, <laughs> but with the PMC additions, right? You know what I mean? So so Acura's trying to reclaim their place as a performance Honda. And that got me thinking. Corvette just won their championship. The C8 is proving to be, if nothing else, wildly popular with reviewers and a good seller. Mm-hmm. But Chevy has nothing to back it up. So what would what would you do to build a Chevy performance line, and what would it look like? So this is a question for me specifically or for the group? I mean, it's kind of for everyone. So let me give you an example. So um, what I was, what my first thought was, uh, and I've thought this for many years, if you were Chevy trying to build your performance brand, you would have to, you'd have to throw out the SS badging, not just because of the, you know, Nazi thing, but because no one knows what that means. And they did such a bad job of maintaining any cachet for SS, whether it was the actual car that they tried and failed to make popular, or uh, you know, throughout the years they've had SS Trailblazers and and Impalas and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But what I mean, again, you're you're sort of uh, you find yourself sort of in the BMW arena if you do anything related to Z. But that is kind of what they do now with the Camaro and the Corvette. So my thought would be, if you're going to do this, which they should do, uh, you might have to go with something with some Z cars, right? So like expand on the ZL1, ZR1, Z06? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the even like the Z71... Like the Silverados, yeah. What's what's the ZR2? ZR2. That's the um, Colorado. Yeah, the Colorado. Yeah. So it sounds like they're already doing it with their Zs. Maybe, but there's there's nothing, and maybe it's just because they axed cars, right? But what I, what I'm thinking is now, all right. If we if we shift our lens over to Acura. And I know they're a quote-unquote luxury brand in name, I guess. But basically what they're doing is painting uh, some of their regular cars and then forcing some people who worked on the NSX to push the buttons for the machines that make the regular cars. And that's how they're building a performance brand. (laughs) 
right? Because the, the those PMC editions are painted in the NSX only colors, and they're built in the factory where they build the NSXs. But of course, there's it, not really any performance advantages to them, right? I don't think uh, Steve is like hand bolting that MDX together. I think it's probably just going down the line type thing. I mean, but so the, so that kind of begs the question, right? What what could Chevy do with their current lineup to kind of jump in on what is now two brands who have remade themselves in the image of performance cars and, and not just in name, right? The N cars are now sort of becoming beloved as they make their way across the globe. Acura, all the new Acuras are getting rave reviews not just because they're painting the NSX colors, but because they're actually now producing a car that someone wants to drive. So it, clearly it's possible, but why mm -hmm. can't Chevy figure it out? Does Chevy Nick. want to figure it out or is Chevy good with just selling trucks? Well, I don't know. Ask Buick. That's not Chevy. <laughs> Well, it is though. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's all the company, same. But like, I, I just don't think that. Look, they've got Chevy's got Camaro. They do have the Corvette, and this this country has shown that it's all about the SUV and, and pickup truck. So they're that's where they're going to focus their time and their energy, and you know it's. I don't think it really concerns them that that much right now. It's it's what the market's dictating. Okay, sure. However, other companies are putting together or continuing their existing, you know, skunkworks performance divisions on the SUVs. Yes, like, exactly. So it's like so like let's say we're weird. We don't you know we're the only ones who want cars. Okay, I get it. But you can apply all of the same logic to well-done, well you know, performance SUVs. You've got, you know, Dodge turning SRT loose on the Durango and the Jeep. You've got the ST, um, uh, both Explorer and, um, yeah, oh, the is it? Yeah. Edge? The Escape? Edge? Edge. Yeah, the Edge ST. Um, to say nothing know. of the Raptor that idiotic yep. dodge truck yep. the t-rex which took me way too long to figure that <laughs> out <by the> way. <laughs> no i, I, I needed that illustrated i needed that i illustrated. feel so stupid though it's like it's like oh it'll be a raptor and i'm like a trx oh oh, oh god and i said it out loud and i was like it's t-rex <laughs> <laughs> no i had to see but, the easter uh, egg drawing i did yeah, but uh, like they're turning loose their performance divisions on, you know, their trucks and SUVs, which, which okay, you know, we we can change our you know thesis here to say, what would you do as a performance division, even if you weren't allowed to mess with any cars because your parent company doesn't make them, you know, that kind of thing. And also, it's not it's not at all reasonable to say that Chevy doesn't care about this. I mean, you have to think of how much they care about the performance of their cars. They had to make the Chevy Corvette mid-engine because they did too good on the Camaro. 
and people loved it and people bought it. <laughs> and also they wanted the car to be competitive in its actual segment. But that's an aside. They do care about this. And, and throughout their history, they've tried to make performancey additions of varying different kinds of things. And it seems to me like they almost fainted at what Dodge came in, came back into the market doing well, which is putting their biggest engines in their mid-tier price-wise car. So for example, you know, the SR, not the SRT Durango, but the RT Durango gets the big engine and seven million horsepower and it's like forty-five thousand dollars. You know what I mean? And then there was a time where Chevy kind of offered that and they keep doing it and stopping. They, they, they are obviously the company that is the epitome of half measures. And they, I, you know, the, I think there's a way to do it where you're still kind of doing a half measure, but I don't know what it looks like for Chevy. And this is what kind of piqued my interest in it simply because no matter at this point, what you do to their existing lineup, it won't move the needle, right? Because as far as I can tell, the people who buy Chevys are the people who bought them last time. And okay, all of so Yeah. I have a hypothesis here, and this may apply exclusively to me. I don't know why, but let me throw it out there. This is what I like when you floated the idea of, you know, General Motors, specifically Chevy performance division. I thought of it as like a whole separate division, um, mm-hmm. much like um, Holden Special Vehicles, Quattro GmbH, um, the SVT team at Ford, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing, where like it's not something that's like available on every vehicle in your line. It's like a few vehicles that have had the absolute bonkers engineers at some you know laboratory where they're all you know tucked away in their padded rooms at night um after they're done messing with the cars and just turning out these absolutely you know stellar examples for you know the relatively normal cars like that's how you draw that's how you have to draw people in if you're you know, Chevy, who, like you mentioned, yeah, a lot of people just bought a Chevy because they bought a Chevy before them and before they did it, but before and before they did it, you know, their dad or mom bought one. Like, to draw in new people, you have to be, or at least have an aspect of the company be the antithesis of half measures. Um, you know, bring a group of people in as crazy as the AMG engineers. You know, like, you know, hire in new talent if you have to, even if there's nobody in here in your company that can do it. But I argue that there is based on the ZL1 Camaro more than anything else like that. That's the one glimpse of that mindset that I've seen from Chevy. And I think that would be able to with the right advertising in the right name would be your entree into you know having this prestige performance division of some kind i don't think you can just slap 
you know, like, like, like you mentioned, because they've so diluted the value, I don't think you can just slap an SS badge on it anymore and say, look, it's special. You have to pitch an entire origin story from beginning to end of we wanted to get back to making performance vehicles. We set up a you know, whole performance team, whatever that may be, you know, there's something to, you know, the ring of special vehicles, be that the special vehicles team from Ford SVT or HSV for holding special vehicles, you know, make these feel special and make them be special. And that's how you're going to draw people in. Hmm. I, I disagree with a lot of that, actually. I'm sure you do. Like I said, that's 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 for me. Yeah, but that's you know, I, I feel like you need to almost disassociate from your brand if you're Chevy because of the damage that's already been done to it. So let me ask you this: So we're talking about like you know, AMG and all these other tuner arms of these companies. What are, what about Callaway? Cause technically they're doing just that. And they're like an unofficial partner of GM. Cause all they do is they redesign and they just make whoop ass versions of GM cars. There's a Callaway Corvette. There's a Callaway Camaro, a Callaway Colorado, a Callaway Tahoe, a Callaway Suburban, even a Callaway CTSV. Like, so they're getting the same type of treatment as it would go through like an AMG or something like that. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess my issue with this approach for Chevy is that, um, they already have two, pathetic failing luxury brands and they don't need a third. And on the flip side of that, they've been beaten soundly at their own, uh, at the half measure game by Dodge. So what, so I guess what I'm saying is to my mind, they can't slap badges and they also are not as easily able to just create a brand and have people believe in it. Think of the stupid Cadillac Blackwing and, oh, my God, the way people go on about that thing. Oh, it's going to have magnesium wheels. By the way, that is the that is that car's crowning achievement. Not the engine, not the manual transmission, not 600 horsepower, magnesium fucking wheels. Thanks, GM. Very cool. You did it. So <laughs> they have – it just seems like they have no clue what they're doing for any of this stuff. So if you if you come in with another GM brand at $75,000, $80,000 for a quote-unquote performance car, it's just not going to work. Uh, I mean, you're under the assumption that, you know, this idea would require the current minds at GM to execute it. Yeah. You know, you know, when you said, how would you do it? Which means I would be doing it, which means hopefully I would pull in more marketing people to actually do it properly. Oh, that's um, that's you know, you know, it's like, you know, how, how would I go about doing it? 
not the stupid way GM does it. And it wouldn't be a whole, it wouldn't be a whole other brand. That's the thing. It, it would be somewhere in between the, you know, bonkers third party tuning group. Like, like Mercedes has, was it, is it Brabus? Yes. Like, yeah. It's like, it is like their, over the top, like let's make a two thousand horsepower, you know, German sports sedan that like you can drive a thousand miles before the supercharger blows it up. Like mm-hmm. there's there's that, and then there's AMG, which is in house. But when you see those letters on the back on everything from the A series up, it means something special. Now, yes, you're you're gonna have to start from scratch. You're going to have to earn that. But I think if they do the right thing by like creating this division and making that like, like, like right now there isn't like Chevrolet racing in sports cars. It's, Mm -hmm. it's Corvette racing. And like, so you have to, with the Corvette that I know might lose people like Nick, but has, you know, won its division this year and has a long history of winning the division it's in, you run the Corvette under, you know, I'm just going to borrow, you know, the HSV name because it's shorthand for what I'm kind of looking at. Yep. It's like, you know, it's, it's a, it'll be HSV racing and you bring that into NASCAR where like you know the performance parts that they use in NASCAR are engineered by HSV and you like put that branding everywhere and you earn equity by by saying the people that brought you the parts of Chevy racing that you really like are the engineers we're using for this job mm-hmm. and then you might be able to sell it to people because it's not establishing a new brand it's saying we're going to cut off this slice that you really, really like and feed it money and marketing and way more engineering leeway and try to grow something that you like all the way across the brand as opposed to just in this one aspect. Hmm. I like that. Um, We won't. We don't have to stick around on this too much longer, but one, uh, two, so, all right, two questions I have. The first one is, is the Veloster and a half measure? And the second one is, uh, the second one's less important. Let's start with that one. Is the Veloster and a half measure? It's not the fastest car in the class. It didn't even come uh, in the first series with any of the, uh, like, market level technology features right no uh you know blind spot detection no none of that shit that's now on this new one i mean hyundai put that car out at the cheapest end of the market with the lowest amount of horsepower ish in the 250 you know 275 gets a little more complicated versus you know the the type r and regardless of uh, any BOP happenstance, crushed a season of racing. <laughs> More than right, one. That's, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a half measure. I, I think you can make choices 
and have that be 100% the measure you want to take. And to me, half measure always feels like, well, I want to do this, but I was only able to do this. Yes. And you know, I think they wanted to get a car to market on time for a racing series at a price po- at a price point they wanted, <laughs> and they did that, and it was great. And I think that is one hundred percent mission accomplished. Now you can retarget stuff. You can say, okay, this is the first one. We did it this way. This next time, based on what we've seen, we know people want this technology. They want more power. They're willing to pay a little more for it because, you know, yeah, I, this isn't the case, you know, you know, in the end specifically, but like the GTI and a couple other cars in that class, it's like they're willing to pay more. Like 90% of people who are buying these cars add this package. We'll right. make that standard, you know, like... You know, or the rest of the cars in our lineup got all this stuff. We have the time. Let's put it in. And just because it wasn't everything it could be doesn't mean it's not everything you wanted it to be. And you can change what you want it to be year over year. So, no, long way of saying I don't think it was a half measure and isn't still. I think that's a good answer. Not at all. Interesting. Oh, I remember what the last thing was. All right. So if you were, if you were going to do this right now, what is the first, what's the first Chevy vehicle you put some kind of performance package on to build? What's your, what's your foundation to build this line? Hmm. Tristan, if you got an idea, go ahead. Let me think on it. (laughs) <laughs> I need to even pull up what all the Chevy vehicles are. Um, well, I, got, I so, have two thoughts. Yeah, So give me some time. Go ahead. I, I have two thoughts. I think, I think if you want to copy the Acura approach, you immediately go to the C8 and link that with um, – which one's the – is the Equinox the midsize SUV? It's yeah. It's the tracks, uh, the, the the tracks, the Equinox and the Blazer are actually kind of similar. Oh shit! One, no Blazer, Blazer, Blazer. A thousand yeah. percent the Blazer. Yeah, yeah. that's actually that's where I, I was actually going to go with a combination of things. <laughs> I know it's a you know, I I know it's a well loved nameplate, but I think like you mentioned with the SS badge. Outside of any, you know, because Nazis thing, just because, just because SS, just because SS has been so diluted, um, and SS got slapped on this car all the time, and it was never as special as you wanted it to be. I think you make some facelift changes and you apply all the tweaks that your performance brand is going to put on this vehicle and rename the Impala to something else i i you know because it was the question was spur of the moment i don't have a good answer for the name but you make it the you know special performance division whatever new car and yeah it'll have its you know like when they went from cobalt to cruise a a lot of the underpinnings are the same but it's a new name it's a new attitude for the car and it's the way you tie this sedan like acura is doing 
to the performance car. Mm-hmm. And like so that's that. what I went. It was, it was a direct Acura ripoff slash, you know, comparison, which is bring it down to the sedan level. Cause Acura, you know, cause that's where they'd start. They, they started with the, was it the RS, RSX? No, what was it? The number TSX. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. TSX. Yeah. TSX. Um, is where they started all of this of, you know, tying the, um, you know, performance cars down to kind of their quote unquote more normal cars, even though Acura is the performance division anyway, but, <laughs> you know, move to a car, but yes, if you're going to do an SUV, I 100% say it should be the Blazer. Definitely. I like the Blazer idea. You know, I'm, this may just be me caught up in recent events, but um, Toyota has um, been working on a, a Gazoo Racing Yaris. Mm-hmm. What if Chevy goes that route and does a super, super high performance version of the Spark? Uh, yeah, I think it would have to be. Wait, no, I guess the Spark's smaller than the Yaris, right? I think so. We'll see the Spark uh, or the Sonic. Sonic, or, yeah, maybe. The Secret of oh, yeah, AO. Maybe the Sonic hatch, yeah. See, now that's that obviously would be selfishly my end goal. I would love to live in a world where Chevy anywhere on the face of the goddamn planet at this point has a genuine, nice, high quality hot hatch. I mean, that's only good for everyone. And they just refuse to do it because they hate <laughs> only fun good for everyone. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, the, the Sonic RS has 138 horsepower. Don't ever talk to me about this. Don't ever talk to me about Sonic ever again. <laughs> Unless they stoop it up. Uh, I just don't want them to call it that. I mean, the, the yeah. they only call Much that like, the Aveo name flops so hard. Right. And, and they didn't do very well with the Sonic either. Right. So you'd need a lot of rehab on that particular nameplate. Or, much like the Malibu, drop the performance version on the world with the new nameplate. Yeah. Whatever that is. I I had one more wild thought about the way GM could do this. And it would be a completely different approach from the way anyone has done this so far. But they almost started it with the... Uh, the the Blackwing thing. Mm-hmm. I'm, imagine a world where GM comes out and and revives the utterly amazing Turbo Six logo. They 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 yes. build themselves a an amazing Turbo Six engine. I mean, they have some in the tuck, but they bring back the logo from the GNX, and they use that as their performance brand branding across cars and trucks. So whether that's, you know, however they want to name those packages, maybe it is just something like the Turbo 6 performance package. That logo on your Colorado, on your uh Equinox, on your Blazer. Blazer, right, on your on your Blazer, on your whatever car they have left if any. 
that lets people know, hey, listen, we got extra horsepower here. We got handling tuning. We got interior refinements. We got all of the stuff. But that Turbo 6 logo is so amazing and so horrendously underused in the history of auto. <laughs> it's it's criminal. And I guess you could put on a Buick, too, but no one cares about Buick. But, I mean, what if they tried that? What if they tried to define a brand by attaching it to an engine. I mean, how much more American could that be? Oh yeah, it's very Volkswagen. Sorry. Oh shit, it is isn't the VR6. <laughs> well, it's well, time shit. to try it again. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the VR6. Whoops. Because that went on. Because that went on any vehicle that ever had one in it. <laughs> that is true. Probably. Well, I was, well, I was thinking of, um, you know, back in the back in the old days of cars, you you talked about your American muscle car by the engine that's in it, and you know now Dodge. That's yeah, a four forty or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, the three hundred ninety two cubic inches, and no one knows what that is, by the way. But um, I don't know. That's kind of out there, but that was that was the other idea I had, simply because I love the Turbo Six logo so much. That's not bad. You have my attention there for sure. Oh, I feel I feel good about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That that was just something I was thinking about today. And, and yeah, I, I think um, there's a million ways that you could do it, and there are so many ways. All of the ways we described in which Chevy will not do it. <laughs> Pretty much any way we describe, they and that's kind of sad, right? It is. It is. It's unfortunate. Um. Oh, right. Uh, we we briefly talked about the um, the T Rex before, and oh, hey, Andrew, before we get into the next topic, do you want to yeah. just let's let's quick remind people how to get a hold of us? Oh yeah, right. Of course, <laughs> we don't we don't have a break in this episode, so we just got to get this in. Um. So. Folks, you can before we get into this uh, T Rex topic that Andrew wants to bring up, I'm going to put him on pause for just a second to say you can find us on the web at checkenginepodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching Check Engine Podcast. Andrew is in constant arguments on Twitter, and if you want to, if you want to be a witness to that, Andrew, they can find it where at Check Engine Pod. And Tristan. where can they find us on the gram? The gram. Uh, also, you can find us by searching for at check engine pod. So be sure to like, follow, share, post DM. Just reach out how and when you can. You can ask questions for us to answer on the air. You can let us know what you like or dislike about these episodes. Give us ideas for topics that you want to hear us discuss. Um, let us know your opinion on some of the stuff we're talking about. Like what would you do for a new Chevy performance line? Um, thanks in advance for any of that. Now back to the show, Andrew, your topic was on the T on the T-Rex on the, on the, on the Turks. Um, Turks. We have so a T-Rex. This, yeah. We, yeah, we have a T-Rex. Uh, <laughs> so this thing came out and you know, this is not the point of what I'm going to say, but you know, maybe the, it's the COVID quarantine driving all of this 
dry humping surrounding off-roaders because no one cares about this thing and yet everyone is so fucking active about it all right here's what's important the trx has an engine it's big it makes a horsepower here is what's terrifying the mpg <laughs> what mpg these yeah, i made are, a passing reference of this episode or two ago but these are some fucking excursion numbers man 10 and 14 since and when remember does, that's since average when does Chrysler care <laughs> well the average is 12 it combines to go 12 yeah 10 and 14 premium gas yeah yep <laughs> And I got this from Road and Track, um, so I'm just going to cite a little bit of their of their math, which I had completely forgotten about. Right? Fuel economy scales are not linear. As you get the lower ratings, the differences will cost you more. So a truck that gets five miles per gallon will cost twice as much as a tr- as a truck that gets ten. But a 25 MPG truck will only save you 25% compared to a 20 miles per gallon truck. So the lower score you get, essentially, the worst. there's probably the worst a cutoff is, point. I, would, I think it's probably like 20 MPG, right? Below that, or 15 MPG. Below that, the cost does not go up in a linear fashion. Mm-hmm. It basically ramps itself up. <sighs> Since when does... Chrysler care about gas mileage though. They're the ones who are pumping out 900 horsepower demons. I know, I know, like I know it, but it, it, it follows in line with everything they have been doing. So it doesn't surprise me at all. The people who buy these aren't going to care, but don't you feel like you've seen this movie already? Don't you feel like, you know, in uh, nine months when the economy finally hits the bottom of this free fall, there's just going to be, Tons of SRT Durangos and uh, and and what is this thing called? Dinosaurs sitting on parking lots, uh, and people are going to be like, "What? All these trucks aren't selling." That'll be half. And the other half will be, uh, "Yeah, they get ten miles of the gallon." Uh, <laughs> it'll depend on if it'll depend on if the economy hitting rock bottom means that gas is cheap or not. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean. I don't. Uh, I, I'm. I'm usually not. Uh, remember the history of what happened, guy. But I really feel like I'm just watching this happen. And and I've said this since the stupid Ford announcement. Like, no, we know already. You did this already. And I really remember what happened when we reached this. Th- there was a point right before. The housing, the housing market crash. There was a point bef- during the last explosion of SUVs and big V8s where cars with this type of number or even single-digit numbers, perish the thought, were commonplace. And that was right when the H2 came out. Mm-hmm. I, it's not that I just – at this point, it's no longer that I just feel like I've seen this movie before. Now it's it's somewhere beyond that. It's like, oh, we're really just doing the same thing on a much shorter time scale. Yep. I don't know. 
Just uh, maybe I'm the only one who cares. <laughs> no, I, I think I'm a combination of both. Like I see the the utter fallacy involved here of like the decision making, but I also don't expect anything different from Mopar like Nick does. It's like, you know, well, yeah, of course they were going to do that. What'd you expect? <laughs> you know, like, like I'm not, I'm not mystified by it, but I know why it's stupid. <laughs> you know, like, kind of in the know. middle. I honestly don't even have an answer for that. That's the thing. I don't know what I expected. So, what should I have expected? I, I really don't know. I feel like yeah, you make me feel like an idiot when you say it that way. <laughs> not the not the intention, but I mean, you know, it, it's just it, from the company that other than in the imported engines from Fiat is allergic to anything under six cylinders. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I guess I'm more probably tied in to that i mean from an american car standpoint my entire lineage is mopar like it has been a long time but like my dad had a little you know glint in his eye when i brought a jeep home you know like you know there's there there is mopar in his history before he went to german cars so maybe i just pay more attention to this stuff but it's like they're the company touting the, you know, efficiency and, you know, goodness and wholesomeness of their V6s. Like, I didn't, you know, so maybe that's that's where I'm coming from is like, it's clearly not a surprise to me because I look at everything they're doing and how environmentalism does not factor into it at all. And neither does consumerism you know, from the standpoint of favoring your consumers with good things, showering your customers with benefits. Right. Consumerism they, meaning giving the consumers anything yes. approaching what they would like. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. They, they, they give people what they like, but they are entirely like there's one end of the spectrum where um, you know, it's not the same, you know, industry at all, but there's like Apple, which says we're doing this you're gonna like it there's that famous steve jobs quote about people don't know what they want until you show it to them right um and whether that's true or not that's the philosophy there mopar is people know what they like and there's no reason to show them anything else because then they might stop buying our cars like you know it's it's all people who value these high displacement you know big steel block engines and you know they're selling to that that owner base and they don't feel a need to change so and and it is getting weird now that you mentioned it andrew because we're seeing you know the what you mentioned with ford like hey haven't we seen this play before and now with the with the trucks here and um the, even Hummer now coming back, <laughs> like it's all—it's like we're oh looking at him. <laughs> can we sidebar get, for that? By the way, can it's can we sidebar for creepy? It's that fucking disaster. Did you yeah. did you guys hear that? Um, They're changing everything that they. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
<laughs> which, which I mean, that just that's in a long line of you know traditions of electric vehicle companies changing things entirely between announcement and launch. You know, it's already been you know leaked as strong, but more or less said that the the, the cyber truck isn't going to look that way when they release it like well, all right i mean you know it's it's like and the the rivian doesn't look like it did when they announced it oh really like, see i didn't hear that one yeah they went much they went i think it was it was after the feedback from the cybertruck they went a little bit more traditional than they had been considering and i guess nothing like is a little strong but there there were changes made and changes in like advertising features and that kind of thing it's like oh i guess people just want regular trucks uh yeah we can do that regulatory body was going to step in on that type of shit but i mean i i can understand that in the case of the cybertruck because they rolled out a halo one warthog and then jebbed it please clap and no one did Except for the Tesla fanatics. And they heard that for a week and then realized that they were getting destroyed on Twitter, which was totally deserved. Uh, But the Rivian, I thought, was, uh, I mean, maybe not normal is the right word, but regular enough to sort of. It was. It was. Yeah. Yep. And I say it was more of a minor tweak. I think I, I, I overstated when I said that it had been, you know changed entirely right i guess that's that's not sounded better for the podcast i shouldn't ruin technically accurate uh but so here's my thing here's my thing about about hummer doing this i mean obviously my initial impulse was right uh for anyone who was dumb enough to order in the second wave you're never seeing that car you're never ever seeing that car you idiots because the first wave's not going to come out, and they're definitely not going to have a second. But outside of that, if this is how your product release went, you did not, in fact, have a product to release, and therefore you wasted everybody's time. That's true. <laughs> Why did they do this? Not, yeah. yeah. Interesting, you know, kind of, well, a sidebar within a sidebar where we're talking about these electric SUVs and trucks. I have been watching um, The Long Way Up, the new Ewan McGregor yeah. series about him riding electric motorcycles from Tierra del Fuego to California. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's been interesting. All the things you as- you assume and fear come true. Range anxiety is constant. Um, but just an interesting... Um, interesting feature of the Rivians, which, you know, (laughs) not eminently useful in day-to-day use, but if this were something like an expedition vehicle or, you know, used in more remote locations, they can be tow-charged. Really? Yeah. So they had a they had a a portion of it when they were kind of showing what the setup was going to be like. Like here we're building these trucks specifically for you. They got like VIN number one and number two, um, and they were building them. It's like look, they have this ability, and they cut to a clip of them going around like an oval track, being towed by a regular truck, like a Silverado or something. And it's like you might think that it's been broken down. That's not true. We're actually testing the tow charge ability. 
That's fun. So you can actually just turn the electric motors around and recharge the batteries by towing them, which weird thing, but it's like, what, you know, is that an electric car thing that I just don't know about? And if not, that's really cool that someone decided to do that. Wait, how do you like, turn the motor around? I mean, not turn, not actually turn it around, but like, like hybrid cars do where it's like when you brake, you recover energy. Oh, right, right, and, right, right, right. You know, that kind of thing. So you turn the wheel motors into generators instead of motors. Um, right. You know, and you tow charge it, which like, yeah, you're buried in the middle of nowhere away from any charger you know you can tow it part of the way and you know you've got you know you put some distance back on it you know find find some nice local man to hook you up to the back of his pickup truck and you know you'll go further than that because you can you know charge while you're towing i was like that's kind of kind of nice they also advertise it as like you know like when you hook it up to um, like an RV, like people who go RVing and the, those giant ones and they, they tow vehicles behind them. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, when you get to where you're going, your electric vehicle is charged. Yeah. That is quite cool. Like, like, yeah, that's cool. So, you know, I don't usually think electric vehicles are all that cool, but I was like, that's an interesting feature that I had not seen advertised anywhere in any of their literature, but I saw it on this this show, and I was like, "Huh, I wonder if more vehicles have that." And I just didn't know. <laughs> I, uh, I I found myself thinking about. Well, I've been thinking about electric vehicles more and more since I've kind of decided that I feel like my next car should be at least partial hybrid, mm-hmm. and. Um, the more the more I look into electric cars, right? The the concept of a pure electric car, the less I'm actually sold on it, and the more I think that they are status symbol toys for the few people who can afford them, rather than anything genuine. Does that sound weird? Yeah, I think that's what they are now. Um, I, I don't I don't entirely discount the possibility that with changes to capacitor technology instead of batteries, you know, prevalence of charging stations, that kind of thing. I don't think that could change, but I agree. That's what they are right now. I feel like it should work the opposite way, right? Yeah. Yeah. As I look more, as as I look, I, I feel that's definitely the way it is. I come more and more to the conclusion that that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, cause like for a while there I was like, Oh, cause like, like a couple people at, you know, my previous job where we were not paid especially well, were looking into buying them and one actually did. But then you look at it and it's like, yes, but that's really, like you said, because you have the luxury of buying one because you do have enough money that, you know, you can spend, more than you would pay to just get a regular car and you have the luxury of working somewhere where your commute ends at a level two at least charging station right so you can you can drive your entire electric range to get to work charge it and then go home you know literally if you change jobs this car the the whole idea implodes 
Right. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, where it's like it's the luxury of owning one of those because you live in the right location, you work at the right place, and you have enough excess income to buy one. Right. That's that's why I agree with you. Now, like I said, if charging stations become more prevalent, capacitors become the preferred energy storage. Like I have no inherent feeling that electric motors in a car could not be the way that you know the car of the people of the future is constructed. But it's definitely not the car of the people now. It's the car of the people who have the luxury of affording them. It, It. Gives me the exact feeling. The all of these launches now, after I mean, limited exposure, obviously, to any part of this, it gives me the exact same feeling as timeshare sales pitches. <laughs> like, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, but like to make that really stick, that metaphor really stick, they need to rent you one for a few days after you sat and listened to the pitch for free. Well, I feel like they will. I feel like if I watch <laughs> one of these web conferences, uh, some dickhole is going to show up with a Model 3 in my driver and be like, hey, you watched our webcast. Uh, you must be interested in one of these, and I'm going to have to shoot him. <laughs> well, don't do that. It's the only option. That's they know where I live now. <laughs> I don't know, but it's I just that or like, move. I wouldn't want to do yeah. that. Move. Yeah, I don't want to move. Get rid of all our boxes. Can you report spam? Oh God! But it does. It does feel like that. Maybe that's a better. Maybe that's a better metaphor there, Nick. It feels like uh, um, dick lengthening spam email. Yeah. Exactly Only for those who can afford it. Did you know electric car plus 35,000 miles in your commute daily? Click here to find out more. <laughs> <laughs> electric cars in your area anxious to meet you? Electric truck, six ton weight. Yes, exclamation point. <laughs> what? <laughs> How do they know? Yeah. They give you a salutation with a ran- with a random name. Greetings, <laughs> <Reading> Nunk. <laughs> it's not even a person's name. <laughs> or Anru. Anru. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I maybe maybe it's just current times, and uh, not to no commentary here on anything based on that. But I feel like I'm uh, less and less able to believe or deal with a lot of the messaging that I see. And and again, not related to political advertising specifically, because all of these. Modern technology, uh, electric car, webcast, broadcasts, any other type of cast have all the same feel to me. And I don't necessarily know what it is. It's just unbearable. Yeah, I'm over it. <laughs> In a big yeah, it's, way. Yeah, it's just, you know, who are you? It's, it's just for me, it's always the question of who are you selling to? Right. Never me. <laughs> it, it would seem almost never anyone. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. If we if we take it back just briefly, all right. 
uh, Cybertruck, TRX, both seem to be marketing to almost nobody, but they're very niche, very, very niche. I, but I that guess goes maybe back to my 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 you know heretical antithetical viewpoint that Nick is going to burn me for. Um, I really have lost the thread on why people spend so much on advertising in the traditional sense. Like I get like promo stuff, sending products to you know magazines bloggers whatever to like have the opinions out there and get the facts of the object whatever it might be but but i cannot tell you the last time an advertisement advertisement like swayed me to buy something that i was not considering already because i had heard about hey this type of thing exists from like you know word of mouth advertising but like printed ads never sway me personally. Wait, wait I so know the last question. time. So, so the question is, who are they advertising to that this is, you know, that it's making it to me? Because someone is getting this information, but it's never the stuff that I'm seeing that's swaying me. And what were you going to say? I, I know the last time it worked on me and a large majority of people. Dollar Shave Club, the original Dollar Shave Club advertisement. That was a good yeah. advertisement. It was. It was. Yeah. Um, it feels like like either. It's a good point. Like super like super bowl ads. Super bowl ads might as well just be replaced with people who are trying to break into the entertainment industry, making ads for fake products to show you how funny, clever, whatever they are, so that they can get jobs. Because it should be, it should be SNL sketch commercials. Right, it doesn't sell me a product. Nope. Not even a little bit. That I completely agree with. I have not once looked at, no matter how entertaining the commercial was, I did not go buy that product because the commercial was entertaining. entertaining. They made me laugh. I need this hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> <laughs> like, like... <laughs> never made that connection <laughs> but all right so to to bring it briefly back and i don't necessarily know i mean tesla doesn't have like commercials but obviously we know that the the primary vector for these cars and for most advertisement products is social media right so we say or we think that uh, the Cybertruck, the Hummer, and the TRX are niche products. However, given the amount of advertising revenue placed into each of those things, the implication is that we are wrong, but the observable facts, you know, Hummers being produced in single digit quantities and. <laughs> Uh, We're gonna the sell cyber six, right? And the Cybertruck being announced nine years before they even had a shell built for the thing. Uh, we should be wrong about that, right? We should we should be wrong, and these should be the market leaders. No, I mean we should be, but we're not. I don't know. I don't know anymore. 
that's that's what makes it so confusing for me. They also I, haven't I, launched the actual product, so it's hard to say that they're going to be market leaders. Like I guess time will tell. But like as of right now, they're pu- they're pushing it as their as as so as such. Like that is going to be market leader. You know, in every garage in suburbia. But right as you mentioned, this could be years before we actually see a, a physical copy anywhere. So. Like I, I, it's too early to tell, but I would venture to say that we're right, <laughs> at least at this point. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll put that claim out there so. for now. I don't know. It, it's it's all it's all a mystery to me. But I am definitely glad that I'm not the only one who's suffering from some kind of existential exhaustion from all this crap. <laughs> uh. Yeah, burnout is real at this point. Definitely. Um, what do you think, boys? We're at about an hour 40 here. Yeah, I think that's about enough. Yeah, anyone else have any big pressing topics they want to get to? I almost said toppings. Topics <laughs> they want to get to? <laughs> Pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pressing topping. <laughs> No, we good. We're ready to get out of here. Yeah, we're we're good. Get get us out of here. Well, then that is what I shall do. Thanks for sticking with us today, everybody. We appreciate you listening, but we don't want you just to listen. We want to interact with you. We already mentioned how to find us online not that long ago. While you're on your certain platforms, listening to our to our casts here, be sure to leave us a review, preferably a good one, and or hit that subscribe button for us. It's free and you'll get notified of any new content that we put out. If you're really into what we're doing and you'd like to support this podcast monetarily, you do have two options for that. You can go to patreon.com slash check engine podcast, or you can go to our homepage on anchor. It is anchor.fm slash check engine podcast. And you can hit the support button towards the top of the page near our logo. Every cent pledged is put towards making this podcast a better experience for you, the listener, and none of it goes back into our personal pockets. So again, thank you in advance for that. Gentlemen, who or what are we giving a shout out to before we get out of here? Um, I just want to thank my wife. It's been a while, but um, she's been absolutely killing it with her baking company, Sunset Grove Baking. Check them out on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Hashtag vote for else. Yeah, and that, yes, that was that was the specific reason. She is uh, in the oh goodness, is it the greatest baker competition? I think is the name of the actual. Uh, anyways, on her Facebook page, on her Instagram, you will find she's in the contest uh, regional for now, uh, and then hopefully she's she's in line to get to the next level. That I don't necessarily know what it is, but a national level competition uh, for greatest baker, which is really cool. And um, yeah, I mean, she's just been just been doing a great job with that. So thanks to her for doing her hardest work to make a better life for us, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Good one, Tristan. Um, I. N- knowing I will, I will get this edited and out by tomorrow evening. The 
the the eve of election day mm. i i would like to thank anybody who got out and and voted um i know that we don't try to hide a lot of our opinions politically um but i will keep this particular message to the fact that if you got out and did your civic duty and voted uh, thank you even if you did not vote for who i voted for um it's important it's how this country works and you know thank you for voting um but i will say you get two thank yous if you voted for the same guy i did (laughs) (laughs) that's funny uh that's that is good um i would like to thank red bull and cold medicine because that is a combination well that is the combination that uh kept me going for the pretty much the entire back half of last week wednesday through i'd say early saturday um that just sounds like a heart attack did you consider stopping before your heart made you stop (laughs) hey i'm here recording aren't i i got this all under control guys calm down I, I appreciate the time I want. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're thinking. <laughs> okay, future. I, I, I appreciate the fact that you're so concerned. That means a lot to me. But I'm here. I survived. Um, but yeah, thanks to Red Bull for keeping me awake and cough medicine and cold medicine for keeping me functioning over the last couple of work days there um, before the weekend. So I had time to actually sleep and recover. So thanks to the, thanks to those two things. And as always, thank you listeners for your continued support. We love to hear from you. We love recording this for you. And we cannot wait to do this again. Until then, take care.